this morning. We are in part four of our series, Path to Peace, part four of our series, Path to Peace. In this series, we're just talking about like, how do we get peace in our own lives? How many of you guys would say, man, I could use a little bit more peace? How many of you guys have gone on like Facebook or something and like they need more peace in their lives? It's just in the world today, it just seems like there's just stuff going on and there's like this low grade or high grade anxiety that's like bubbling underneath the surface all the time and just people need peace and and I need peace, you need peace. And so what we said in the first week was peace is not the absence of conflict, rather it's the presence of God in our lives. You can go through a lot of stuff. You can go through um, strife in your family, strife at work, a, a sickness, a disease. You can go through those things and if the presence of God is with you, you can still have peace in the middle of it. So this idea of like, let me just have peace and it like be this Zen thing and like there's no problems and it's just like chill all the time. Like that's really not what was promised to us. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but fear not because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. So he's going to be with us. And so peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God in our lives. You could be in the battle for your life, but as long as God is with you or you've got a friend or or a neighbor or a loved one, a spouse who's standing there with you, you can still be in peace in the storm. Kind of our core uh, passage for this series is Psalms 23, verse 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's presence in our lives brings us to peace. The big idea of our first week of the series was we must trust God more and depend on ourselves less. Peace is not something that you win, that you earn, that you get through struggle or effort. Peace is given to you by Almighty God. Stop trying to protect what little peace you have because God will provide it to you if you ask for it. That was the first week. The second week, we said we must stay in our lane and do what is ours to do. This doesn't mean that you don't care about anybody else, that you just are like, man, if it doesn't affect me, I don't care. No, you do care, and what you care about is what God has given you a burden for. And so if God has given you a burden for people, God has given you a burden to... to, to to reach out and to to serve a particular community or whatever, you need to work on that burden. You need to work within that burden. You need to, to do everything that you can to do that. You can't withdraw. You have to engage, but stay in your lane. Do what God has told you to do, because if you're doing what he's told you to do, then he's going to be with you in the process. And again, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. So when I do what God tells me to do and he's with me in the process, I can have peace. Even in the biggest like conflict zones, you could walk into Syria tomorrow and still have peace if that is what God told you to do. So do what God tells you to do. Last week, we talked about how God empowers us to live today, not in the past 
or in the future. So many of us, we live in our past where we think of, well, I should have said that. I should have done that. I could have handled that differently. I could have talked to them. I could have not said something to them. I could have done this. I could have not done this. And it's all these ideas. And we just kind of live with this reel in our mind of what we should have done, what we should have said, what we shouldn't have done, what we shouldn't have said. And we do this all the time. Listen, God will set you free from your past. The blood of Jesus that we that we just remembered in communion will cover your past mistakes. You don't have to live with them anymore. And so God sets us free from our past. But also Jesus talks about don't worry about tomorrow. So many of us were waiting for the bomb to go off tomorrow. And Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has got trouble enough for himself. So we ask God for bread today. That's in the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And God empowers us today to live in peace. Jesus frees us from our past and the Father promises us to take care of our needs for the future. Have you ever interacted with someone and you were like, man, I'm in good hands. Like I'm in really good hands with this. Like they're just a professional, they're experienced. Like you can tell that when you talk to them, they know what they're doing. They've been there before. This ain't their first rodeo, right? Like have you ever felt like that with someone? Like I, I, I interacted with someone and, and just the experience, they just bring a calm to the experience. For example, like a, a, those of you who've had surgery before, surgery can be a scary thing, especially if you've never had it before. It can be scary. But when you talk to the doctor, and the doctor's consulting you and the doctor's like, oh yeah, I've done a couple hundred of these and all of them have been good and all of them have been easy and you're just like, okay, I'm in good hands. Like this kind of peace that rests on you because you know that this person that you're, you're, you're dealing with, that they've seen it before. They've done it before. They've been there before. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever dealt with someone like this? Uh, in, in his book, uh, the, an, uh, the author Malcolm Gladwell, he wrote a book called Outliers and he talks about how it takes 10,000 hours 10,000 hours of practice at one thing to become an expert at it. 10,000 hours of practice at one thing. Some of us, we, we work our jobs, and if you work 40 hours a week, that's like over five years, but you do a lot of things at work. You ain't working just straight 40 hours a week on one thing. I promise you that. You're doing a lot of different things, but this is one task. You're just focused on that and for 10,000 hours, and you can become an expert in that field. Some of you guys might not know this. Mike, he's an entertainer, works for the Cardinals, works for a lot of all over the country, right? Just doing his thing. And he, can, he does these card tricks. And uh, it just blows my mind at what he can do. Uh, but Mike, if I wanted to develop a card trick myself, like, and I needed it next weekend, could I do it? He laughs and says no. He laughs and says no. Like, no, you couldn't do it. How, how long does it take you to develop a card trick? I've got some I've been working on for 10 plus years. I've got some I've been working on for 10 plus years. See, we see it takes thousands of hours to develop experience. What about lack of experience? Can you imagine if you had to like deliver a baby today? Like, just think about that. Like if, if like someone was pregnant, you pulled into, I don't know, Walgreens and there was a single mom there by herself and she's like, I need help. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. Like I've, I've been there when four babies were for my ba or three of my babies were born and, and I've, I've seen it. I, I've, I've seen the thing, but man, if you asked me to deliver a baby, there'd be like all kind of anxiety and fear. And I would just be like stressed out the whole time. And I mean, I would guess a lot, which is not what you want in that situation. Like you don't want to just be guessing and like just hoping that this is the right thing to do right here, I guess, you know, um, you don't want that. 
Experience is such a great teacher. And with it comes things that you know, that you know to be true. Things become muscle memory. It, it becomes, you know exactly what you need to do in a situation. Earlier we said that peace is not the lack of conflict, but peace is the presence of God. Did you know that just like the benefits of professional experience and all the benefits that come with that, you can have experience in the presence of God. You can have experience. You can get muscle memory. You can get knowledge. You can get these things. And so when you face problems in life, when you face struggles in life, when you face issues in life, when you face the lady giving birth at Walker, you know, when you face those issues that are crisis moments in your life, the experience that you have with God can lead you into a level of peace that you've never felt before. You've got this muscle memory of knowing that God will take care of you. The Bible talks about in, uh, when David faced Goliath, David, this young man, he's facing this giant. And whenever he's getting ready to put the armor on, he, 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 they're like, are you, you know, they're asking him, are you ready? Are you, are you ready? You got everything? I mean, everyone else seems to be scared. Or you don't seem to be scared. That's a little weird. And what David said was this. He said, when I was a shepherd, I faced a lion in the field. I faced a bear in the field, and I killed both of them. This giant is nothing on, on them. He had experience before. He'd walked through it before. He'd seen things before. He'd, he'd, he'd practiced it before. And when he, the major issue of his life, the major obstacle, the major enemy was right across from him, he had the experience and knowledge and depth with God to know that what he needed to do in that situation. And so many of us, what happens is, is when things are going good, we forget about God. We, we like, like God might, might as well not exist. I mean, like, it's, it's almost like, you know, there's an atheist of, of, you know, someone who doesn't believe in God. There is no, they believe there is no God. But some of us live our lives like we're practical atheists. So when things are going good, we don't think about God. When things are going smoothly, like it's just, oh man, this is just a good day. Like there was no problems and, you know, my 401k went up and my boss was nice to me and I got a project done and my wife smiled at me and, you know, my kids didn't argue. It was just a good day. Why do I need God today? So many of us, we think and we act like that. Like practically, that's how we are. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to have a deep relationship with him. He wants us to have a connection with him. He wants us to walk with him. Because listen, life might not always be smooth. And you need to have that muscle memory to know where I can trust God and where I can, what he said in his word and what I need to do and how I need to act and what he'll do. You need to know these things. And so when it comes time for the giant that's in your life or the giant that's across from you or whatever it is that you're facing, you need to know that God has got your back. Not guessing that he has your back not hoping that he has your back. You can know that he has your back by your experience and your walk with him. When your peace is threatened, the knowledge and muscle memory of what God has brought you through can bring even more peace in your life. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says this, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. There's a man in the Old Testament, and his name was Enoch. And uh, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about this guy. And it really, there's like two verses. There's a verse in the Old Testament, and there's a verse in the New Testament. And the Old Testament's in Genesis 5. And this is all Genesis 5 says. 
Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's what Genesis says. Genesis 5, verse 24. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Took in the Hebrew, this is a, a theologian named K.A. Matthews. He's from Texas, uh, or sorry, he's from Alabama. Uh, K.A. Matthews says this, took is a common Hebrew uh, term, and it can have a variety of meanings. The simplest meaning can be to take or defect, like go get it. It could refer to death where one's life is taken. This happens in Second King, or First Kings 19, or the opposite when one's life is snatched from death or saved from death, Psalms 49. Yet, in some contexts, taking indicates the reception into the presence of God. Hebrews tells us a little more about what happened to Enoch in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And he rewards those who seek him. So I just read you a little bit about a theologian, a seminary level theologian. A rapper says this leaning on this story. I'm just going to quote from all different angles here, all right? Rapper named Propaganda from California says this about Enoch. Many hold no armies, no weapons, no ceremonial authority. Just a walking stick of an old timer with no ounce of fear. May we have a faith that's birthed out of a revelation of that promise, a reflex caused by what you know to be true about God. A reflex caused by what you know to be true about God. So many of us, we live our lives with this idea that maybe God's going to come through for me. Maybe God's going to be there. Maybe God will will be there. And we just kind of have this hope. But what you can do is you can walk with God. And when you walk with God, everything then becomes a reflex of what I know to be true about him. I know that he's going to be there for me. I know that I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I know that he's going to guide my steps. I know that he's going to give me the words to say in a situation. I know that he's going to give me wisdom when I ask for it. I know these things. Why do I know these things? Because his word tells me these things. His word tells me these things. What does it mean to walk with God? First Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances, for it is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. What is God's will for me? What does God want for me? What is God's desire for me? So many of us, we ask these questions, these big existential questions like, what is my purpose in life? And we're wondering what it is. And right here it says, this is the will of God for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. When I was younger, pray without ceasing, it freaked me out. Because I was like, how can I ask God for stuff all the time? Like, how can I just be like, all the time? Is, is that even possible to say, you know, God, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can, and, and this really comes from a very worldly view of what prayer is. The world thinks, and even other religions, they think that prayer is trying to get God or the deity or whatever it is to do our will. That's what they think prayer is. It's like, uh, I, I need this to happen, and I just need God to do 
our will. But Christian prayer, in contrast, isn't begging God to do what we want. Instead, it's an acknowledgement of his goodness and our dependence on him as he shapes our will. I'm not shaping his will. He's shaping my will. I want, I want him to shape me. I want him to, to mold me. And so this type of prayer contains an action of talking to God. Yeah, sure it does. We have to talk to God, but it's not limited to that. Instead, it's a framework for us to live our lives. Pray without ceasing is a lifestyle of leaning on the goodness of God. It is a lifestyle. It's a framework of thinking of that I will constantly lean on the goodness of God. I am constantly thankful for everything that I'm facing, for every circumstance that I'm in. I'm thankful because I know that God is with me. Am I thankful that I'm facing struggle? No. Am I thankful that I'm facing uh, 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 sickness? No. Am I thankful that I'm facing strife at my job or work? No. I'm not thankful for those things. That would be weird. That would be like, who's that? That's just weird. No one thinks like that. But what I am thankful is, is that his presence is with me no matter what I'm facing. And so in every circumstance, I can give thanks because I know that God is right there with me. Pray without ceasing. So prayer is the first aspect of walking with God. It's this framework of thinking that God is always there and I need to lean on my dependence on him. Prayer. The second thing is learning his word. Psalms chapter 119 verse 105 says this, that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 and 17, all scripture is God breathed out and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What does complete mean? Not lacking anything. Have you ever walked into a situation and felt like I don't have everything I need in this situation? How many of you have ever like had a project and you've made six trips to Home Depot? I don't have everything I need in this situation. I got to go get some more. If we're lacking something, if we're lacking in complete, like we just don't have everything that we need, the, the, it says here that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete by his word, by the scripture that's there for us. You can have everything that you need for whatever it is that you face in life, the framework that you need to see the world, you can have that through the word of God in your life. And so don't let this thing just be something that you sit that sits on your coffee table. Don't let this thing be something that sits on your bookshelf. Don't let this thing that be just something that's on your phone or whatever. Like eat eat this book. Like consume it for your life because it's going to make you complete. You're not going to lack anything in your life. You're going to know what to do. Uh, and it says equipped for every good work. What does equipped mean? Equipped means that I'm ready for whatever comes my way. I'm ready for whatever happens. I'm complete, I'm not lacking anything, and I'm ready for whatever happens. And so many of us, we're living life, and we're, we're just living life every day, and it just seems like life is just kicking us in the tail every single day, and it's just hard, and we're just butting our head up against the wall, and I'm telling you today that the Word of God can make you complete, and it can make you equipped. So, when we're walking with God, prayer is the first step of walking with God. We pray, and then when we're praying, we're, we're living with this framework of this acknowledgement of the goodness of God and our dependence upon him. The second thing is his word that makes us complete and equipped. Here's the thing. As your father, 
God, uh, he, he loves you just as you are. We, we've talked about this before. He loves you. And, and any time you turn to him, you could be far off from him. The parable of the prodigal son, it talks about how this son, he, he grew up and he, he wanted to leave his father and he lived in sin and he went a long way off. And then finally he came to his senses and like, man, I can't live like this anymore. So he came home and the, the, the story tells us in Luke that the father was actually looking for him to come home. And when he saw the man down the road, the father sprinted out to meet him and he met him on the road. And that's how God is with us. And so if you're here today, my my thing of here in, in encouraging you guys to pray and read God's word. And if you're like, maybe you're in here you're like, man, I don't do that. My, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with that. Listen, the father would love to have this kind of relationship with you. He will sprint out to meet you. He will meet you wherever you are. Even if you're far from him today, the second you turn around to come home, he is sprinting out to you. But for those of us who are Christians, for those of us who would say that we believe in God and maybe we've gotten just a little bit apathetic, or maybe we've gotten just a little bit lazy with some spiritual disciplines in our lives of, of reading God's word and of praying. When we're talking about peace, listen, you weren't meant to go it alone. You need to have like some physical conditioning when it comes to your spiritual life. Read God's word, study his word, pray, acknowledge your dependence upon God. You don't have to wait until you think that you need God to have a deep relationship with him. The the depth of your experience and walking with him and how he's proved his goodness over and over and over again in your life to know his love and to know his mercy. These things will sustain you and help you keep peace like nothing else can, like nothing else can. And so today we, we've talked about we talked about how, you know, we, we, we need to trust God more, depend on ourselves less. We must stay in our lane and do what is ours to do. God empowers us to live for today and not in the past or the future. But today I want to end this series with this thought, that we need to cast our cares upon God, choose joy, and let God do what we can't. First Peter verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in proper time he may exhaust you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, you could just give these things to God. The coolest thing about God is that God's, God's big. He can handle anything. And so, like, uh, when, when we're trading things with each other, like, I want to I wanna sit there and say, well, the value of the thing that I have to trade is the same value of the thing that you're giving me. Right? That's how trade works. Like whatever my thing is valued, so let's say my thing is valued at $5, I give that to you and you're going to give me back a thing that's valued at $5 and we just trade like that. But what happens with God is that trade is never equal. We give God our worst. We give God our sin and he gives us his righteousness. We give God our struggle and he gives us his joy. We give God our pain and he gives us, uh, he gives us a sustaining joy. We give God the things and, and the, the trade doesn't match and it will never match. But you can give God whatever it is that you're struggling, whatever it is you're holding on to, your anxieties, your fears, your doubts. You can give those to him and he will give you what you need to sustain you in life. There's one of my favorite Bible stories. If I had like a life verse, people ask me that all the time. What's your life verse, Pastor? I'm, I don't know. I like the whole thing. Um, but, but if I had a life, life story in the Bible, there's a story where Jesus meets with his father and his son's sick. 
And Jesus says, well, do you, do you think, you know, we can, or the father says, do you think uh, you could heal him? And Jesus says, all things are possible for those that believe. And this is what the dad says. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I believe, but help me with the parts of me that are struggling right now. Help me with the parts of me that, that aren't doing good with this. Help me with the, there's so much that happens in that one little sentence. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Jesus, I trust you. I, I, I believe in you. I believe that you're going to get me through this. I believe that, that peace is coming. I believe that joy is coming. I believe that in the darkness that light is coming. I believe those things, but Jesus, there are parts of me that are struggling with this. Help me with those too. So many times when we have parts of us and we're facing things that are struggling in, in, in what we know to be true about God, the unbelief parts of us, we take those parts and we actually hide those things from God. We actually don't want God to see those. Like, Jesus, I want you to see the parts of me that believe, but the, the parts of me that, I'm, that I don't believe, I'm going to try to figure that out on my own. But this man said, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me with the parts of me that are struggling with this. And you can do that with God too, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Your peace is not dependent on your circumstances. Therefore, you can choose joy. Your peace is not dependent upon your circumstances. Therefore, you can choose joy. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may, uh, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. The Holy Spirit empowers you to have peace and joy in believing. You can trust God with your cares, your fears, and your struggles. I want to end today with this, um, these three concepts about God. Three concepts about God. And these, these are, are called the omnis of God. This is not like the omni hotel. I was able to stay in one of those a couple uh, months ago. Those are nice. Anyway, if you ever stayed in an omni, they're nice. Not the omni hotel. It's a, it's a prefix. It just means this, all. That's all it means, all. So there's three things that I want to talk about. First is omniscience omniscience. What does this mean? It means all-knowing. God is all-knowing. There is nothing hidden from God, and there's nothing that is going to surprise him. The struggle that you're going to face next week, the issue that our world is going to have to deal with, the next coronavirus, whatever it is, there is nothing that surprises God. I get surprised every day. Do you get surprised every day? I guess, well, I didn't expect that to happen all the time. But there is nothing that surprises God. He is all knowing. And, and even when our own hearts, our own hearts, our own minds, our own emotions, they can make us feel and believe certain things. And those things can be true or they cannot be true. But God always knows what's really going on. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. God knows exactly what is going on in your life. He knows exactly what's going on in the whatever relationship struggles that you're facing. He knows exactly what words you need to say. He knows exactly what the, the, the sickness is in your body. He knows exactly what's going on. There is nothing that surprises him. So you can trust him. 
You can trust him. You can, you can just put your faith and your hope and all your fears and anxiety. You could trust him for everything because he knows exactly what's going on. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The truth isn't based on how I think and I feel. The truth is found in him. God is all-knowing, omniscient. The second is omnipotent. This means all-powerful. All-powerful. God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful. There is nothing that is bigger or stronger than him. So whatever it is that you're facing, whatever struggle you're facing, whatever, whatever issue that's in your life, there is nothing that is more powerful than him. Luke 1 verse 37, for there is nothing that will be impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for God. Even death, when we celebrate the resurrection, we celebrate the fact that even death must take a backseat to the power of God. There is nothing more powerful than him. And so when we as Christians are facing a time of anxiety or fear or, or just whatever, we need to know that our Father in heaven who loves us, who cares for us, who will guide us and direct our steps, that there is nothing more powerful than him. He is all-powerful, omnipotent. So God is all-knowing, omniscient. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. The last thing is God is omnipresent. What does that mean? That means all present. There is no place that God, that you can go that God cannot reach you there. There is no place that you can go that God cannot reach you there. Psalms 139 verse 7 through 12 says this, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the, uh, take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is bright as day for the darkness is light with you. It, God is all present in your life. And so you serve a God that is all knowing, that is all powerful, and that is all present. And what you can do today is you can trust him with whatever it is that you face. Whatever it is that you face. You can trust God today. And my challenge to you is this. Don't wait until you face a problem. Don't wait till you face an issue. But instead, lean on him where you are today. Ask him to guide you today. Ask him to direct your steps today. Lean into his word today. Our, our, our church, you'll see it on the, the slides after service, before service. We're doing a reading plan this year where we're reading the whole Bible in a year because we want to consume this book. We want to see what this book has to say about our own lives and about how it directs our steps and it leads us in the way that God wants us to lead. It tells us how we should be and where we should go. It's instructions for life and, 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 and it's God's word to us. His, his spoken word to us, these, this Bible. And so we want to we consume this. And so when we face situations in life, we're not just guessing. We're not just hoping. But we know that the all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God is there to bring us peace, comfort, hope, joy, and he will deliver us through whatever we face. May your life be a reflex of what you know to 
be true about God.